0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, I just want to say uh, after the closing illustration last week, thank you for all the pictures of the French fries. I just want to say that. Uh, they just kept coming my way. If you don't know, I close with that illustration. And uh, I thought this was incredible. At the Egan campus, at the end of my message, I'm doing that illustration on, you know, God owns the french fries, and he's just asking us to share a few with them. Uh, one of the people sitting there while they're listening to me close with the McDonald's french fry illustration, all of a sudden, on their phone, not kidding, all of a sudden it popped up, McDonald's french fries, an ad popped up. How many know they are always listening? Yes, all right. But uh, if you missed it, that was a great closing illustration. And we're in week two of our series where we talk about finances, generosity, and uh, I also want to let you know that this weekend we are launching our Lakeville campus. Yes, which is so exciting. They had 504 people at the pre launch service last week. And so I'm looking forward to what happens this week. But I, I was like, Well, we didn't time that really well. We're in week two of a financial series. Welcome to River Alley. All right, here we are, so. uh, But I I will say this, money is a big part of life. Money and stuff is a big part of life, and we talk about it every year, and we wanna get this right as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, just to give a quick review, uh, so all the campuses can be caught up and everyone that maybe missed last week, um, I read a ton of verses talking about he owns it all. I mean, verse after verse after verse, that he owns it all and I said that we're stewards. We're stewards, we really don't own it. We're managers of everything we have Uh, and everything that he puts in our hands, we're supposed to take care of it, give a good return for it. And um, we also talked about that the first 10th of everything that we have, the first tithe is what the Bible calls it, it belongs to him and he gives us return instructions in the Bible, like how we're supposed to do it. It's supposed to be the first, not at the end. It's supposed to be on the first day of the week when you get paid, like right away, you do it right away and you honor him with this and he has return instructions. And I'm so grateful that God has return instructions in the Bible. Like we have return instructions, like you buy something and they say like, you can return this within 30 days. It needs to have the receipt. It needs to have the tag still on it. And we're used to return instructions. And so when we look in the Bible, let's look at this and say, how does God want us to return the tithe that belongs to him? Leviticus twenty seven thirty says, it says, thus all the tithe of the land or the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. It's like the tithe belongs to him. And that's just one of several verses that talk about. It. So we return that, we start there. And I just wanna share this again. We don't do it out of law, but we do it out of love. We do it out of love. We see that before there was a law, there was the heart touched by God wanted to do this. We see in the law, he re- instructed them. And then we see now in New Testament grace, we go up from there and we say we do this because we love you, because we want to build your church. We want to reach this world for your glory. And we really trust you as our Heavenly Father and our source and the one that will take care of us. So, over and above the tithe, over and above the 10%, we're going to talk about that today. The Bible calls that free will offerings. Free will offerings. And I want to just talk about going over and above because really, tithe is not like once you get to tithe, that's it. Once you get like that's it, that, that's just the stopping point, and you finally did No, that's the starting point on this generosity journey that we're living. And I thank God for so many around our church, you understand that, you get that. It's just it's the, it's the starting point. And so there's free will offerings in the Bible. And in Exodus 35, 29, it says, All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Moses is like, this is something we wanna do. We wanna build this for God's glory. This is what God wants. And he's like, I want you to give what's in your heart. Like, let's do a free will offering. And people willingly went and gave free will offerings. In Deuteronomy 16:10, it says, then celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. So he's like, Give something that is free will, like you're not being forced to do this, you get to do this from your heart, you're already doing the tithe, but now on top of this, do something that's free will in proportion to the amount that God has blessed you and bring this in. And and when you're saved, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you reorient your life, instead of being living for yourself and for living for stuff, you start living for God. You're not saved because you're giving money, but because you're saved, you start giving. You start saying, I wanna reorient my life not around stuff and around things, but it's around you, God, and you live with this joy and anticipation of what more can I do for your kingdom? What more can I do for you? Like, my whole life has been reoriented, and now I wanna live a generous life. I wanna wanna live differently instead of being selfish, instead of thinking about me and myself and, and all the things that I can do for myself, I wanna live a generous life. And John Webster said this, he said, generosity is one of the deep and holy things of the gospel. It's to be understood not just as civic virtue for all people of goodwill, but as an obligation and delight that flows from the good news of salvation. It's one of the signs of the radical reorientation of our social lives that arises from life in Christ. I love that, a radical reorientation. We're gonna live differently when it comes to money and stuff and the way we do things. And generosity is one of those values that followers of Jesus just have. It just starts coming out of you. Now, when we look at this today, we're gonna look at um, one principle from the Old Testament. And then I wanna look at uh, one story from the New Testament. And then I wanna look at a practical way to apply Um, are over and above giving. But I wanna say this, when it comes to generosity, Jesus expected us to be generous. Like when, you know, in the Bible it says, like, when you fast, when you pray. Another one, he talks about when you give, when you're generous. In Matthew 6, one through four, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give, there it is, when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He's like, when you give, like there's gonna be something coming out of you that you're gonna be doing free will offerings and you're gonna be giving to the needy and you're gonna be taking care of the poor. When you give, I want you to do this, and there's a, a great expectation from Jesus that his followers are gonna be generous people and wanna do this. Now, later in the Bible, um, the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and the church is young at this time, and Paul must have been dealing with people and realizing, I don't think they're, they're quite as eager to be generous. Like, he's like, he's, if you notice, he moves from when you give Like, Jesus like, when you give, like, I expect it. Paul's like, hey, all right, Timothy, I got some things for you. Um, And he says this in 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 17, he says, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life." I mean, Jesus is like, when you give, when you give, and Paul's like, Timothy, command them. Command them, now you're like, is he mean? No, think about parenting. Think about parenting when your kids do something wrong, I mean, you look at them, you're like, you give him that, how many know you give them the look? Kids do something, I give them the look. And you're like, go say you're sorry. You give them the look. And if they don't say they're sorry, you're like, go, go do it. And if they do it, how many know you get to the middle name? Robert Ferdinand, you know how I mean? You get you to get the middle name. And you're like, so Paul's like, command them to do it. And you can imagine Timothy reading this letter to people. I've got a letter from Paul. And he gets here and he's like, thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Uh, really, great, great. Well, I want to tell you this. As your lead pastor, I have both the expectation when you give, when you're generous, when you do Kingdom Builders this year, when we go after that 12 million, but I also wanna say this as your pastor, that I'm commanding those that are rich in this world. Just like Paul told Timothy, I don't think I'd be living up to my responsibility as pastor to not say that all of us need to pause and say, God, you've blessed us with so much. This is not just a, like, we'll do a little something, something. No, this is something we should be really looking at and saying, God, why have you blessed me with so much? What do I, what do I have and why do I have this? And, and how are we gonna do this? And, and, and instead of like, do I have to? It's like, I get to. And God, I, I wanna do this for your glory and for your honor. As we go after $12 million over our general tithe that takes care of the church life, We're going after 12 million dollars. We did 11.6 last year. I just want you to understand that this is for things globally, locally, for future Christian leaders and, and generations coming behind us. I want you to know that there's over a 100 different projects that we're going to be doing. There's things that we get to do like train pastors around the world, help orphans all around the world, build multiple Bible schools. We get to dig wells for people that don't have clean water. We get to set people free out of human sex trafficking. We get to feed millions and millions of people. We're gonna do the one day to feed the world again where we went over a million dollars. And I'm asking that on that day, we'd all give one day's wage to feed the poor of this world. We're gonna give to the inner city. We're gonna build churches all around the world, especially in places where the church is not being built. We're gonna um, supply resources to our missionaries. We're gonna give Bibles, and by the way, um, I have been praying, as you have, for those Bibles that are going to Cuba. We have a whole shipping canister full of Bibles that are somewhere between Miami and Havana. I don't know when they're, I keep every day, I'm like, are they there yet? Are they there yet? They said they're supposed to arrive this weekend. As soon as the Bibles are there, we're gonna have a Bible party. I mean, like, we're just gonna have a Bible party. But if you don't know, we bought 30,000 Bibles for this revival that's going on in Cuba. And, and I'm like, get them there, get them there. So they're, they're right on the edge, like, push them through. All right, so, but we get to do all this. We do all the expansion projects. This is something we get to do. And so what do we do with the increase? What do we do? How do we go over and above? And the Bible and the Old Testament is filled with all sorts of things about over and above. You may not realize this, but if you add up all the giving that the children of Israel, the Jewish people had to do, it averaged about 23%, 23% is what they did. And you say, wow, 23, yeah, they had a a triennial gift to the poor, they had festival tithes, they had the tithe, they had so many different things that they would do. And I understand that they were running a a country and they were taking care of the poor and they were taking care of the needs of the temple and all, but you understand, like it just kept going up and up and up. And so I wanna look at this one practice that was in the Old Testament on taking care of the poor and what do we do beyond the 10%? What do we do with what we've been blessed with? What do we do with what we've been blessed with? And it's a principle called gleaning. Gleaning. And this is the principle that God told people that owned lands that had crops and had olive trees or different plant-bearing, you know, a fruit-bearing tree. He said, I want you to harvest from that, but I want you to leave something for the poor. And then I want the poor to be able to come along and glean. They're gonna gather up what you left on the tree or left in the field. And God had all sorts of different ways to deal with this. And I won't go through all the scriptures, but in Deuteronomy chapter 24, uh, I'll read a couple of verses. It says, when you're harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Now, within you think like, oh, wait, that's, that's profit margin. That's profit margin. And God's like, you know, if you, if you forget it, leave it there, just don't, don't go back for it. He says, leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, don't go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. He's like, those people outside the kingdom, the foreigner, Those people that we have yet to reach, the 42% that have never heard, he's like, leave it for them. Like, do you understand? Like, the edges, the extra, the blessing, this is part of what I want you to do. And there was a principle that was there and it's something so beautiful that we can look at today. This was for the poor. And God was saying to his people back then, and I think he's saying to us right now, you don't own the edges. You don't own the edges. He's like, I've blessed you with more than enough. And when you have more than enough, I want the edges to go to those that don't know me. I want the edges to go to the poor. I want the edges to go to the orphan. I want the edges to go to other people. And it's, and it's God's like, I had a plan in place. The edges don't belong to you. And what's so amazing about this is God came up with this and, 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 and left this for the poor. He's like, it's a strategy and, and, and they didn't think it up. Like, If we thought up this strategy, we'd be like, River Valley is so generous. We're so kind to the poor. No, we didn't think this up. God thought it up. And when it was left there for them, and there's so much to this. It's so beautiful the way that God did it. God was like, the poor need to come and get it, and they're gonna work for it. And and they're not gonna be looked down upon because they're putting effort. And so they're not gonna be beggars. They're actually gonna be active members of the community, and they're gonna have dignity and self-worth as they do this. It was a beautiful way. But he said, remember, I did that for the poor. He's saying, I did, you didn't do that. You are just obeying me by realizing that I'm blessing you as you tithe, you remember in Malachi, he talks about, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you that you can't contain. And he's like, when you can't contain it, like leave the edges for the poor. Leave the second round for the poor. Do you understand? I mean, it's just such a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And if you wanna feel the smile of God in your life, you start giving the edges and the extra and the second round and the profit margin, you start giving that to the poor and not taking any credit. No plaques, no memorials, no nothing. Just, you just do it because God has blessed you with so much and you're like, God, I wanna be generous and I wanna leave the edges to the poor. You will feel like the smile of heaven on your life. It happens. Now you wonder, like, why do these people have so much and these people have so little? And why didn't God just give us all the same? Like, why did he, like, how come we're so blessed and and how come it's uneven? Like, I think there's a dynamic that is going on here where God's like, I'm trying to get you to look like me and you understand that when you become generous, you're looking like me. Do you understand when you let go of the edges, you're looking like me? Do you understand I'm doing work in your heart and I'm forming with you and I'm making you into my image and if I did all the same, you understand that wouldn't happen. So he's like, I've blessed people in different areas and even like Paul says, there was a time when the people that were so poor were begging for the opportunity to give and you know what happened? God is being formed in them at another level and God's like, I've distributed it unevenly And I want you to share, I want you to bless your brothers. And I've said it before, 80% of the wealth that Christianity owns on planet Earth, there's somewhere under three billion Christians on planet Earth, 80% of the wealth that Christians own on planet Earth is in the hands of American Christians, right? American Christians. And I mean, there's only 330 million people in America. How many Christians are there? 80% of the wealth is in the hands of the Christians in America. And God's like, come on, I've distributed unevenly, but I want you to watch what I do in your life and how I form my image in you and, and watch what you can do to bless people around the world. And by the way, it's not because you're great. It's because I'm a great God and provided so much for you that it's overflowing. And I want you to give the edges, the second round, the profit margin. I want you to do that. Matter of fact, You know in the book of Proverbs when it talks about a righteous man, a righteous man, a righteous man? Even when it talks about a righteous man and money. Do you know in the book of Proverbs when it's talking about a righteous man, it's talking about somebody who would make money but cares for the community equal or greater than making money. It's saying like, okay, yeah, watch how I bless you. If you wanna be righteous, you're gonna make money and that's good and you can use it for my glory, but I want you to care about the good of the community around you and I want you to bless those people around you. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. Randy Alcorn says this about God distributing his wealth unevenly. He says, God distributes wealth unevenly not because he loves some of his children more than others, but so that his children can distribute it To their brothers and sisters on his behalf. On his behalf. God was saying again, you don't own the edges. You get, you know, you it belongs to the poor, it belongs to the world, it belongs to the foreigner, it belongs to them. Now, somebody like, all right, all right, so I'll give God the edges, you know, whatever's left over at the end, and I'll do a little piggy bank, and you know, I'll do that. No, no. Do you know that you can intentionally leave more on the edges? you can intentionally more on the profit margin for the poor. And I'll use the story of Ruth and Boaz. In the Old Testament story of Ruth and Boaz, Ruth is a young lady and she's poor, she's gleaning in the field of Boaz and she catches the attention of Boaz and she's working hard And and Boaz says this about gleaning. Now, Ruth is doing the right thing. Boaz is leaving the proper amount of gleanings on the ground, and he's not going back a second time, and Ruth is doing that. And Boaz sees sees her, and he tells his men this in Ruth chapter 2. It says, as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stocks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Boaz is like, guess what? Not only am I gonna leave the edges and the profit margin, I'm intentionally gonna take more of what I have and leave it for this Ruth lady here who's an outsider, a foreigner, and I want you to leave it on her, don't get mad at her. He's intentionally like, how much more can I give? How much more can I do? And then a little bit later, um, he takes scoops. Ruth is there, and not only is he just leaving what's required, not only is he intentionally like, how much more can I do? He's like, Ruth, get over here. And he takes this, and he says, hold out your apron. And he scoops in, six scoops full. She goes back to her mother-in-law like, ta-da! You know, like, (laughs) that's the type of life. Let me tell you something. When you start giving scoops to the poor, something happens supernaturally in your life. When I was in Africa, and I was there in Kenya, and we had a swimming pool made, and they made the kids porridge there, and I remember scooping out porridge and pouring into their bowl, I'm weeping. I was weeping, because I was like, who am I that I get to scoop porridge for these kids? And as I give, I'm like, who am I that I get to scoop, scoop for the poor and for those that have never heard? And who am I that I get to scoop you know, cupfuls for people that have never had clean water. And who am I that I get to scoop this and be able to bless them? When you start giving scoopfuls, you can't even go to bed at night. You're like, can you believe that we were able to do that? It wasn't just, we didn't just honor God with the tithe. We didn't just honor God with leaving the edges and the extra. We literally started giving scoops. And then like the Bible says, it's like, as you start scooping, he starts scooping. you're almost like, wait a minute, God, like there's too much left over. Like, I thought I gave you a bunch of scoops. And the more you scoop, then you're like, wait a minute, God. So you start scooping bigger, and God's like, well, I'll scoop bigger. And you're like, and you're, you've heard that saying, like, you can't outgive God. And you're like, at the end of it, you're like, what in the world just happened? I keep scooping, and he keeps scooping. Man, what a life to live when you get to scoop. All I'm thinking is there's two scoops in Raisin bread. That's all I'm thinking right now. <laughs> there's more scoops in the kingdom of God, man. We're going to do kingdom builder scooping. Let's do this. Now, now, now Beck, and I, Beck and I, on our journey, I felt God told me to say this today. Beck and I started on our journey at $2,000, okay? When we were youth pastors, the church had a, a thing like kingdom builders, and they said, let's do this. And I said, all right, God owns the edges, $2,000. And we just... We're gonna rearrange our life, we gave $2,000. And then a little bit later, it was like, you know what, I'm gonna leave more than the edges. And I'll never forget when Beck and I stood in front of the church, we said, God has asked us to give $30,000 over the next three years to kingdom builders. And it wasn't just giving the edges, it was like, God, I'm literally taking out of the bucket because I wanna build your kingdom. And then there was a day where all of a sudden, God's like, no, I want you to scoop. And God started asking us to give even more. And if you know the story, one year he said, increase your giving by $10,000. I didn't even know where it was coming from. And and God's like, I'm gonna provide me. He has me join this board. They give me $10,000 for Kingdom Builders, which now is up to $25,000. As I sit on that board, they give me $25,000 every year that I give directly to Kingdom Builders every year by being on that board. God's like, I'm scooping, I'm scooping. And as I'm scooping, he's scooping. I'm just telling you. And in the process of doing all this scooping, God spoke to us and said, I want you to count up everything you've done and I want, to make it, I want you to make a lifetime goal to get to a million dollars for kingdom builders. No, we're not there yet. We've been on this journey for over 16 years. But I'm just like, we're living with this anticipation of God." We're gonna rearrange our life. We're not just gonna give the edges or the trimming or a coin bank. We're gonna start trying to scoop out and God help us scoop more and to do this and accumulate. And I'm believing before I retire, that's gonna happen. And I don't wanna retire anytime soon, but I'm just saying like, you know, it's, it's when you start scooping, it's incredible. We've recentered our lives as followers of Jesus Christ and we start scooping. We start scooping and saying, God, it's beyond the tithe. I wanna scoop more. Now, the opposite of this story, and I'll go there quickly, is the man in Luke 12. And he's saying, Jesus, I have this inheritance, and they're not being fair to me. And Jesus goes and tells a story about a rich farmer. And he says this about a rich farmer. And he says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And you're probably wondering, why did he add another barn? Do You know why he was tearing them down? The way that it's written, it implies he doesn't even wanna use land that could produce more fruit. So he's like, I'm gonna make them taller rather than give up profit margin. I'm gonna keep storing it up. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This I'll be with those whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This man, instead of saying, God, the edges don't belong to me, this does, like, I'm gonna start scooping, I'm gonna start scooping. He's like, you know what, I'm gonna start building. I'm gonna start building a bigger barn. I'm gonna start hoarding. I'm gonna start holding on to you. And by the way, making more is not wrong. As as you start scooping, I'm just telling you, you start scooping, scooping, scooping. And if God scoops more back to you, it's not wrong. It's not like, ah, you know, it's like, but are you gonna keep scooping back to him or are you gonna say, I'm building bigger barns? What he should have said is, wow, God, what a crop. This is incredible. How many scoops do you want me to give? Like, do, do I get to keep any of this? This is amazing. This is incredible. I never thought you'd ever put this in my hand. Like, what should I live on? Who could I help? Where do you want these scoops to go? Because God, I have more than enough. By the way, the Bible tells it in the story. Jesus said, a certain rich man. The guy was already rich. And he got more riches on top of riches. And by the way, verse 19 was so convicting. As a 58-year-old that kind of can see retirement out there. It's like, he's like, eat, drink, be merry. You have plenty saved up. That sounds a lot like retirement. I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) Yikes. We have a desire to keep, to hoard, to protect, and to hold on. We don't wanna lose it. We don't wanna lose it. And we, we're like, I, I, I gotta make it moth-proof, rust-proof, fire-proof, recession-proof, right? We think that way. By the way, I think this is absolutely hilarious. Our city campus, I think we have a building picture of it. Our city campus was actually built as the very first safe storage in America. It was built as the first fireproof storage in the United States of America. It's on the historical register of buildings because the first fireproof, it's right on our building, safe storage. And people put their valuables in there because they didn't want them to burn. Isn't that interesting? People used to put valuables in our building to save them from being burned, and now we put people in that building and save them from being burned. Praise God, praise God. So the rich guy, the rich guy wasn't rich towards God. He wasn't rich towards God. He was like, I'm gonna scoop it on myself. I'm gonna build bigger bonds, it's all about me. And, and he should have been rich towards God. And being rich towards God means saying, God, you're my riches. I trust in you, it's about you. You're my riches. That's being rich towards God, that it's all about you. The second thing is taking what you have and saying, God, uh, what do you want me to do with the scoops? What do you want me to do with the scoops? Like I've got so much. Like, How much more, what should I do with this? And you're using what you have to bring glory to God. And sometimes, I could just hear some of you like, I don't know that much, but we have a problem in America, like people have so much money, but we don't save up, we burn through cash. I wrote this down, some of us build bigger barns and and some of us just have an incredible burn rate. And social media makes you wanna have a burn rate. Look at the shoes, look at this. Look at the car, look at that. People pose in, they rent private jets, not for a flight, but for photo ops. Look at me. They didn't even fly anywhere, but they're just burning cash to try to impress people who are not impressed. (laughs) Being rich towards God says, what can I do? And we've got to guard against this covetousness. And maybe you can't identify with the rich man that he had so much, but you can identify with this, the self-talk that we do. He was a self, what should we do? Build bigger barns. And we say this when we get blessed. We say, self, what should we do? Bigger, buy, do, burn rate, cash. And again, God gives us everything to richly enjoy. And, I, I, and I'm telling you, I'm going to show you how Becca and I have done this. And and I want to tell the band and everybody, hold off. And all the campuses might have to modify their. Some of our campuses have parking disasters if we don't end on time, but I'm going over today, all right? Um, I have to. What do Beck and I do to avoid covetousness and not keeping the scoops to ourselves and building bigger barns? And I want to share with you as a pastor, I made my own list after seeing another pastor's list. First thing I do, Beck and I do, is we get in God's word daily. We do our SOAP, scripture, observation, application, prayer. It reminds me it's not about me. It's about him, and I'm devoting my life to him. And when I get into his word, I'm telling you over and over again, it just speaks to me and changes me. The second thing we do is we ask God after the tithe, which we already settled, like that's, that's going in, right? How much, God, how much? And we tell families in our church to pray as couples, like pray. How much do we give to kingdom builders? And go pray separately, get two numbers. And if you have different numbers, the bigger one's always from God. That's the way it works. No, i just did. <laughs> but, do I'm surprised at how many times it's the same number. We also pray virtues over our family. You may know this from a parenting series. We pray 31 virtues over our children and over our grandson right now. And on the 15th, I pray that our family would be filled with generosity. On the 22nd, I pray for contentment. On the 26th, I pray that they'll be willing to work. On the 30th, I pray that they would have a heart for missions. And on the 31st, I pray that they'd live in gratitude. Those are five days out of the month that I'm praying for our family to fight against keeping the scoops in our family. We have a plan to give. We have a plan to give. Because you don't have a plan to give. You don't give very much. If you just kind of like, oh, I felt like it. And you probably think, oh, it added up to thousands. And it was a couple hundred. So we have a plan to give over and above. We ask God to keep our hearts soft and to listen to the whispers so we can be generous. Even just the other night, God said, take the money in your wallet and give it to this guy right there. And I took it out, gave it to him, and you know, just right there. I just wanna to listen to those whispers and be that kind of person that does that. We set a budget and we stay within those boundaries. And by having a budget, we're able to say, this percentage goes there, and this percentage goes there, and this percentage goes there. And I can tell you as your pastor, as an example, I'm trying to show this to you, Becca and I now are are giving 25% of what we have, our tithe, and then 15% more. We're saying, God, help us to keep increasing that and doing that, and we're gonna budget differently because of this. We pause when the offering time comes because we felt convicted because it was on auto pay. It was on auto pay. Like, it just automatically comes out of the checkbook, and it just felt like, you know, offering time went on and we could talk, and so we're like, let's pause during offering, and let's really thank God that that auto pay that came out that we already set in motion thank god for everything that came from him and then we live out plan vision dream and i'll close with this plan vision dream is how i believe god helps us to get to 12 million every year we have a plan and we work it we have a vision and we write it down and we have a dream and we hold on to it plan vision dream and it's simply this we work the plan and we give what God has already placed into our hands. And for some of you, that might be $50 a month. For some of you, it might be $500 a month. For some, it might be thousands every month. All God has to do is keep you alive, and you can live within a budget, and you live planned. And you say, God, you've already placed it into my hands. Here's my plan to give you more. Here's the scoops coming out. But then we don't stop there. We have a vision, and we say, God, what more do you want us to do be beyond what's in our hands, the scoops that we could do? What's in your hands that you could put into our hands so we could give more? And we have that vision number and we write it down. If you were to look in my soap journal right now, you would see right below the goal of reading 40 books this year, you would see our Kingdom Builder number. It's right there. We're praying over it, I see it. I write my goals out weekly and I pray over it. God, help us to get that. It's in your hands. Could it come into our hands? Even last year when God said, go up 30%, uh, I was like, how's that? And then God provides $15,000 addition from 10,000 being on that board to 25,000. And God's like, see, I got you. I'm just watching how God does all this. And I'm, I'm amazed. And so if you work your plan, a lot of us do that to go for kingdom builders. But let's go to vision number. God, what's beyond you? What's in your hands that we can believe for? I'll never forget the family that was giving just the, COVID rebate checks. They kept their job, and they were given that, and, and God said, give $7,500 this year. And they're like, where's it gonna come from? He said, it's in my hands, believe me. And they prayed and asked God, God, where are we gonna get that $7,500? That was on Sunday. And by Friday, there was $7,500 in their bank account from their boss. They're like, what in the world? So he went and talked to his boss. He said, what in the world happened? Like, there's, there's, there's money in my checking account, and if it's a mistake, can I keep it, you know, please? Um, you know. <laughs> It was $7,500. And he said, I was feeling so guilty the last couple years that I didn't give bonuses. So I told our CFO on Monday to give bonuses to everybody, and they're in everybody's account. They prayed on Sunday. It was in God's hands. He made an unbelieving boss feel guilty for not giving bonuses. And by Friday, he's like, Will you believe me for what's in my hands? That's the way God wants us to live. Yeah. Plan, vision. So you write it down and you pray about it. And then the last one is dream. You hold on to your dream. You just say, God, I'd love to give the greatest amount. If you remember in 2020, Beck and I gave our dream goal and I didn't share what it was and I won't now, but it was the largest amount we've ever given to the work of the Lord and God said, you'll do it. In a COVID year, God worked a miracle and gave us our, our dream goal to give. And you hold on to that dream. I don't know how many, years, it took us 12 years to get there where God allowed us to do it. But it's fun to live with a dream like, God, if you ever blessed us in such a way that we could write this check to the kingdom of God above our tithe, we'd be thrilled to do it. Man, that's the way to live. When Paul commands, tells Timothy to command the rich to be generous, it ends, he says this, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. When you live blessed to be a blessing, when you live scoop after scoop generosity, when you live, God, it's not about bigger barns, but it's about being a blessing to this world. When you live plan, vision, dream, and you do this, you grab a hole that is life, that is truly life. So Lord, I'm just praying right now that we would do that. We would reach our $12 million goal. I'm praying for people right now that we would realize the edges belong to the world. The foreigner, the widow, the orphan, the edges belong there, and we could take scoops out after that. We could take scoop after scoop for your glory and for your honor. And God, we can live plan, vision, dream. It's not about building bigger barns. We thank you, God, and we'll wrestle with how much do we keep, how much do we give, what should we do? And I thank you, God, that you tell us each to do this ourselves. We don't have to judge other people around us. We get to do it ourselves, but God, help us to live plan, vision, dream. And may this be done for your glory and for your honor so the name of Jesus can be preached around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.